Um, just want to welcome you into week three of a, a five-part series where we're looking at the life of David. Um, we've looked at David's early life as a shepherd. Uh, last week, we spent some time looking at uh, David's life as a father, and just really interesting. Some of the feedback I've had has been, has been re- just really encouraging, just how, you know, we've never looked at that aspect of David's life before, about being David as being a father. I want us to look at this morning about David as a worshiper. Uh, so David, we know, wrote definitely over 70 of the Psalms we've got. We've got 150 Psalms in our Bible. David, we know, wrote 70. We, 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 he's definitely named as the author of 73. He may have written 75, um, but we're not sure. And David loved to write Psalms. He loved to write music. He loved to write songs and hymns that declared the goodness of God, the power of God, who God was in every season of his life. Uh, there's a psalm for uh, every season. And what we're going to do over the summer is look at some of those psalms, look at the context of what was going on in David's life, what led him to write these psalms. Uh, what we want to do this morning, we're going to try something slightly new. We're going to throw a QR code up at the front because as much as I would love you to have your Bibles, I, 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 I can't stress this enough, like have your Bibles, please have your Bibles. If you haven't got a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. Um, but what I want to do is just to make things easy for you to access the notes, we are going to put our notes online. So if, you, if you've got the technology, you scan that QR code, you can get the notes on your phone. You can actually follow along um, right there with you. There are paper copies at the back if you want to take one. We're just trying it. It's, it's very much a trial. If, if you like it, let us know. If you don't like it, let us know. Um, that, will, that will really help us. Um, before I start this one, I want to tell you a story I heard about an, an American man who uh, he retired from work and he decided he was going to dedicate a year of his life to visiting every cathedral in Britain, every cathedral and kind of ancient church. He had this thing about cathedrals and he decided, I'm going to spend a year going around the whole of the UK visiting every cathedral, every ancient church. And, and he started off in Ireland. And he was in Ireland and he was walking through this, this cathedral and in one corner he saw a phone made of gold. And so he was attracted to this phone. He walked over to this phone and the sign on the phone said, Hotline to Heaven. Speak to God. 1,000 pounds a minute. So he turned to one of the stewards and said, is this real? And the steward said, yeah, 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 you, you can speak directly to God as long as you're prepared to pay the price. Well, he thought it was a bit of a gimmick by the, um, by the cathedral, and so he moved on. And he walked into the next cathedral. In the corner there, he saw a golden phone. Same words, hotline to heaven, 1,000 pounds a minute. And in the next cathedral, he saw the same thing. He moved through Ireland. In every cathedral and church, he saw this same golden phone. He got over to Scotland, went all the way through Scotland, saw the same golden phone, moved down into England. There was the phone in every cathedral and ancient church, this golden phone, hotline to heaven, thousand pounds a minute. And then he arrived in a town called St. Asaph. And he walked into the cathedral in St. Asaph, and there was the phone. But this time the sign said this, hotline to heaven, 10p a minute. So he turned to a student and said, I, I've seen these phones all over the UK and they all say 1,000 pounds a minute. Why is yours 10p a minute? And the steward said, well, sir, you're in Wales. It's a local call. It's true. 
You know, David, we know from a young age, was a, was a, was a very, very talented harpist. If, if you look at the story of David, we talked about this a few weeks ago, is how he gets to meet Saul. David is recognized. 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that, that Saul is having these kind of anxiety attacks, panic attacks, and then they say, send me, a, send me a worship leader. Send me someone who can play the harp. And they send for David. Out of all the people they could have chosen, David is picked. And every time David plays, Saul, we see the, the, the spirit or the, 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 the anxiety, it, it leaves him. And I want to ask this question. How did David at that age get that heart for worship? He wasn't brought up in the, in the in, there wasn't a temple, so he couldn't have been brought up in the temple he wasn't brought up around the tabernacle. He was a shepherd. He spent his life out in the field. And I just wonder that, that, you know, looking at those sheep all the time, just all that time on your own, I wonder if David just had a lot of time to think. He had a lot of time to pray. And as he, as he looked over the sheep, as he looked over creation, I wonder if something began to speak in him as, as, as he saw God protect him from wolves and bears, God begins to build a heart in him to sing and to write about how great, how great God is, how big God is, how powerful God is. He writes this in Psalm 19, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. I've got images of David sat in a field just outside Jerusalem with the whole night sky above him. And he says this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies declare his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. It says this in Psalm 8, when I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers. It's really interesting because I've always, always, always thought that said hands. Always. I've always thought it said, I look at the night sky and I see the work of your hands. But it says fingers, there's an intricacy to God. This enormous God works with his fingers. I think there's something really, really profound in that. This all-powerful God doesn't just do the big, he works in the details. And if you read in Psalm 8, it leads David into worship. He says, Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. And David writes these Psalms all through his life, and we can see they reflect his experiences, his, his joys, his sorrows, his triumphs, his failures. And you know, David had an imperfect life. If you just remember what we talked about last week, his life was not great, but God said he was a man after his own heart. And I, I wonder if it's because David just loved to worship. David loved the presence of God. Psalm 27, David says this, the one thing I ask, the thing I seek most is to do what? To be in God's presence. That's all I want. We sang this morning, we're here for you. You're our one desire. David says this later on, in your presence is fullness of joy. God, everything I need is in your presence. I think David loved to worship because he loved the presence of God. The story in David's life where, where David's become king and he's, he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem and, and it's literally, the, the story's hilarious because it's been stored in someone's house. Someone's just, you know, when you say, oh, can you look after, you know, my something for me, and they just say, oh yeah, I'll keep it in my house. The Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, is being stored in someone's house. And David says, right, we're going to go and get this. And um, he goes he goes to this place called Obed-Eden, which is where the, um, the, the Ark is, 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 is being kept. But, but look at what he does first. You read this text, 2 Samuel chapter 6. It says that he, he, he forms a worship team. Now, it's not a guitarist, a bass player, a drummer, and a keyboard. It's a 900-piece worship team. 
that he forms to bring the ark back the way he feels it should be brought back. There's harpists, there's guitarists, there's singers, there's cymbals, there's trumpets, and they march in front of the ark worshipping God. But look what it says. After six steps, the men who were carrying the ark, they, 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 they carried this ark six steps, and David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And I just want you to imagine that. They've literally gone six steps, and David goes, oh, 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 oh stop. We've got the presence of God. We've got to worship. And they sacrifice and then they get up and they finish the sacrifice and they go another six steps and David goes, no, 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 no. We've got to worship God. You're so great. God, you're so awesome. And they sacrifice another animal. They get up, they do another six steps and they still go in. And David says, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. We've got to worship again. God, you are so good. God, you're awesome. They do that for eight miles. 14,000 steps. They hold 2,347 worship services before they go anywhere. David loved to worship. So when we say, can you come for an hour on a Sunday? David's done 2,347 worship services that day. David loved to worship. And we get this great narrative, and, and, and David gets home, he gets to Jerusalem, it says that his wife has been watching the whole thing from the window. And she's watching this, and it says this, when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said this, you embarrassed me today. You embarrassed me. How you've distinguished yourself today, going around half naked in, in view of the slave girls, as any vulgar fellow would. And David says this, he wasn't for you, love. It wasn't for you. I don't like that song. It wasn't for you. I don't like the band, the way the band played that. It wasn't for you. It was for God. And he says this, I will celebrate. I will celebrate. You're not going to stop me. And he says this, you haven't, you haven't seen nothing yet. Actually, I'll become even more undignified. Why? Because God saved me. Why? Because God redeemed me. Why? Because God restored me. Why? Because God has done all this in my life, so I will celebrate. And then David writes this incredible song, and, and it says this, Give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he's done. Sing to him. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt his holy name. That song later would become Psalm 105. So if you look at Psalm 105, it's the same, it's the same text. David loved to worship. And if you look through these, these David psalms, they were actually used in the, in the tabernacle, used in the, in the temple, in worship. Actually, we still we sing them today. The songs that we sing are, are based on psalms that David wrote hundreds of years ago. And it's interesting because David doesn't only give us the, the, the words of worship. He also gives us the ways. And if you were in our prayer and worship um, evening a few weeks ago, we, we talked about this a little bit. And I want to go into a bit more depth this morning because I think David in the Psalms gives us instructions for worship. He tells us how to worship. And, and if you look at, um, you know, when you look through the Psalms and we, we, we sang it this morning, you know, we welcome you with praise and we, and we get this kind of thing when you look through the Psalms, it says praise, 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 which is great because it's all one word in English. But in Hebrew, there are seven, seven words that all translate as Praise. There are seven ways I want to suggest this morning. There are seven ways of praising. And David mentions all of them. And the first is this word, Hallel. 
It's where we get our, our word hallelujah from. So, so, so when we're saying hallelujah, the yah is God in Hebrew. So hallelujah means praise God. And it means this, to rave. To boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. I'll be more undignified than this. Because I'm in the presence of my God. Psalm 35 days says, I'll thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the people. Our praise is not intended to be private. It is not intended to be shut away. It's, it's, it's intended to be public. You know, I don't take off my wedding ring before I leave the house. Can you imagine if I was going out for, for an evening and I said, okay, I love you, but I'm just going to leave my ring here just in case someone finds out. Do you know I wouldn't be going anywhere? It's the same with God. God wants our worship to be public. He wants our love for him to be public. The second word follows on. The word is yada, not Yoda. That's the little green guy. Yada means to acknowledge in public. Now you might say, oh, well, you know, God's in my heart. My, my faith is private. Sorry, you haven't got that option. That's nice, but it's not biblical. Our, our worship is meant to be public. The Bible says, let your light shine. Our faith should be public. It's a public expression. It's a public confession. What did David say? I'll praise you. He said, I'll do it publicly, O Lord, with what? All my heart. Jesus said this, you love your Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. 2 Chronicles 16, we've kept coming back to this verse, says the eyes of the Lord, it, it, it searches the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are committed to him. Our heart, our worship is our hearts committed to God. Our worship is our, our, our love expressed to God. Our worship is our gratitude expressed to God. Our worship is our thankfulness expressed to God with, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. We're not looking at anyone else. We're just looking at God. And when it's all of us, when it's everything we've got, do you know what our body takes part to? The next one is this, Barak. It means to bless by kneeling or bowing. And, and the idea here is, is about bending at the waist in submission. So my body is in a position of worship. But I kneel before God. David says this, that all that I am, praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. He says it again, let all that I am, praise the Lord. Let my whole body praise God. May I never forget the things he has done for me. He's positioning himself for worship. Because he's thankful for all God's done. Next one is Zamar. It means to make music. God likes music. God created music. He likes music. And actually, some have said that this word is specific to stringed instruments. So if you don't like guitars, God does. Psalm 92 says this, it's good to praise the Lord. So that stringed instrument, to praise with stringed instruments and make music. David wrote this, I'll sing praise that idea, I'll, I'll play music to the name of the Lord Most High. He says this, I'll praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I'll tell of the marvelous things you've done. I'll be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name. Psalm, 5, Psalm 150, incredibly famous psalm, but we get this list of instruments. 
If you read Psalm 150, you get this list of instruments, and every word, every line there starts with praise God. So it starts with that hallel. So we get this, this, this idea of praising God, and, and, and I like this concept, actually, we raise a hallelujah with stringed instruments. We raise a hallelujah with loud cymbals. We raise a hallelujah with a ram's horn. Let everything that has breath raise a hallelujah. The next one's this, is Shabbat. And it means to address in a loud tone. So I've raised a hallelujah, now I'm going to sing a little louder. We're not called to be quiet. We're not called to be silent. Another psalmist says this, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of silence. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So I need to bring the Bibles, people. Psalm 63 says, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. My, I will praise you. I will shout your praise as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. And the next one is this, Toda. It means to lift your hands. To lift your hands in adoration and thanksgiving. We worship God with our hands lifted. Paul says, I want, I want men and women to lift holy hands to God. We, we extend our hands, and there's multiple kind of sim, symbols for, for raising our hands. We can raise in adoration. We can raise in thanksgiving. We can raise as a sign of reaching to God. We can reign as a sign of surrender. We can raise them as a sign of victory, or even actually, God, I'm receiving from you. We can raise our hands for all sorts of meanings, but Paul says, I want you to raise your hands. And I want to take you on that journey because some people are still carrying the world's smallest mouse. I exalt thee. And every now and again, the mouse gets a bit of air. I exalt thee. Or you're carrying the TV. Or you might carry the flat screen. I remember the first time I lifted my hands in worship. I must have been, and this is really sad, but I was either 15 or 17. I wasn't 16. Don't ask me how I know that, because it is very sad. But I know I wasn't 16. I was 15 or, or 17. And I was at Spring Harvest. And I was at an, an after-hours praise party. And, and I wish I could remember the song, but I, I just remember all day I'd said, I'm going to do it tonight. Tonight, I'm going to raise my hand. And I, I built myself up all day. Like, you know, there's four or five meetings through the day in Spring Harvest, but I'd said, right, it's going to be tonight. Why was it going to be tonight? Because no one I knew was going to be there. So I waited until the evening, and this song started playing that I really knew, and I, and I loved it. I thought, right, this is a song. And it went, ta da 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 Due to me three years before I did that again. Three years before I would raise my hand again. And now I wonder what I was worried about. But back then, I'll admit to you, it was massive. It was like this moment where I really put myself out there, and can I be honest, it took a little bit of pride. I don't want to look silly. What David writes in Psalm 50, he says, He who offers praise glorifies me. That word there is to lift up your hand. If you lift up your hands, you are glorifying God, the NLT puts it a slightly different way. It says this, that giving thanks, that idea of lifting your hands, it's a sacrifice that truly honors me. Worship's a sacrifice. It's got to cost something. 
And for some people, moving from carrying the mouse to lifting God up, that might be a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice that honors God. The next one is, uh, this is hilarious, it's tequila, not tequila. But the result is the same, because it means exuberant singing. And, and you love the verse, it says this, I'll praise the Lord at all times, his tequila will always be on my lips. It means exuberant singing. His praise, exuberant singing will always be on my lips. If we're worshipping to our best, our praise is exuberant. It's a sacrifice. I'm putting myself out there. And, and these words, they run through the Psalms. Look at this one. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Toda, with my hands lifted high. Enter his courts with tehillah, exuberant singing. Be thankful to him. Make it public. Bless, kneel. At his name. Psalm 108 says, My heart is confident in you. No wonder I can sing your praises. That's Zema. No wonder I can make music with all my heart. I will yadar you, Lord, among the people. I'll do it in public. I'll do it in public for all to see. And I will sing your praise again to Healer, that exuberant singing. I will be exuberant in my praise among the nations. And you may be thinking this, that will... This is all a bit modern. Can I tell you, we're, we're, this is as traditional as it gets. It doesn't get any more traditional than this because this is what David said. This is how the Bible modeled worship. And, and it boils down to one phrase that I, I, I think isn't, it isn't in the Bible, but someone else wrote it, and it just makes all of this so simple, that worship is love expressed. If you love someone, you tell them. If you love someone you express it. If you love someone, you show them. I did a, a music degree, and, and part of my, my music degree was, um, at the end of the third year, we had to look at two, two musicals. Uh, one was West Side Story, and the other was Fiddler on the Roof. And by the end of my degree, I, I knew these musicals backwards. We actually learned the notation backwards. Because there's things in the, in the notation, it's all very clever and complicated and a bit geeky, but I, I loved it. Anyway, Fiddler on the Roof is, is a musical set in Russia in the 1900s. Anyone seen the film? Great film. Go and watch it. Go and watch it tonight. That's your homework. Go and watch Fiddler on the Roof. And it's this Jewish family in Russia. And, and everything around them is changing because the Jews are starting to get oppressed and, and they're trying to hold on to their Jewish roots while all around them culture is changing, and for, for these Jews, these ultra-Orthodox Jews, marriages were arranged. So even in Jewish communities today, particularly in, in parts of New York, you can find uh, communities where marriages are arranged amongst the families, and the community would have what's called a community matchmaker. So they, he, would, he would be the guy that would introduce the man to the girl, and we get this song in Fiddler on the Roof, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, find me a fine, catch me a cat, and that's what's going on. And in this Jewish family, the, we discover the daughter doesn't want to marry the man she's been matched with because she's fallen in love with someone else and the dad is struggling. And he sings this song, tradition, because it's going against everything they know. The, the, my daughter, she's meant to marry the man we match her with, but she loves this other guy and, and, and he's struggling with, does he let his daughter be in love or does he stick with tradition? And then it dawns on him, his marriage was arranged. 
And one day he, 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 he thinks, well, I didn't meet my wife until the day we got married. So we didn't love each other when we met. So after 25 years of marriage, does, does my wife love me? And so he, he goes into the house and, and, and his wife is alone. And she's, she's cooking dinner in the end, and he shuts the door and he sings this song. Do you love me? And she turns around and says, for 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. And he's like, I, I, I know. But do you love me? And I wonder if God looks at churches and we're like, well, God, I, I turned up. And God goes, yeah, I, I know. God, God, I, I gave to the offering. Y yeah, I know. God, I, I even served this morning. Yeah, but do you love me? Because it's easy to come. It's easy to give. It's easy to serve. But the most important thing is this, do you love him? And that's what he wants, more than your offering, more than your attendance. He wants your heart. And there's a really lovely moment in this, in this, in this song where she says, yeah, I suppose I do. And here's the thing, he's thinking, well, yeah, you love me, but you never said it. Worship is love expressed. And some of us deep down, we, we, we love God, but we've never said it. We've never verbalized it. We've never vocalized it. We've, ne we've, we've thought it, but we've never chosen to make it public. And, and I wonder if God is, is just knocking on your heart this morning and he's just singing in your ear, in, the, in, in my voice, going, do you love me? Because it's nice to know. I'll invite the band back up. And, and I, I know that you, you may be thinking, well, that's Hebrew and that's the, the Old Testament. Just over half the Bible's in Hebrew. We've got 66 Books in our Bible got 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. But if you jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you jump from Hebrew to Greek. And the Greek word Jesus uses is this word proskuneo. And it means to kiss. And it's not a kiss between lovers, um, but it was once defined. They've, they've actually changed it since. They defined it once as a dog licking its master's hand. And I've told this story before, but I don't know how many people uh, either own or have, have, have ever owned a dachshund. Dachshunds are hilarious. They're basically a sausage with a face. But dachshunds are fantastic. And I had a, I had a friend who had a dachshund. And, and, and what was even better is my friend had a laminate floor. And so we would go to my friend's house, and, and the, as soon as the dog heard us, either pull up in the car or kind of walk towards the door, we could hear through the door his legs going, and he's jumping up at the door, and we go in through the door, and he's jumping up, and his tail's wagging, and he's barking, because he's so excited. And I wonder if dogs could talk, he'd have been going, Hallelujah! You're here, my favorite people, you've come. You're here, I'm so excited. Do you know what, that's what God wants. That's what God wants. That we can't get to church quick enough. And as soon as, you know, the, the countdown finishes and the banner, and as soon as that, we, we're going, hallelujah. God saved me, God rescued me, God set me free. 
God's looking for that type of worship because it's exuberant. It's joy-filled. It's loud. It doesn't care who is watching. God's looking for that type of worship. Some of us worship like a cat. I've seen cats. Yeah, he's here. I'm not moving. This is my seat. I'll move when I want something. That's why there's no cats in heaven, by the way. We can't be blasé about worship. One person wrote this, that that worship is worth ship. Our worship is giving God what he's worth. What's God worth? Everything. What's God worth? All of us. All of our voices. All of our bodies. Because if if he's only worth some of us, it's not a sacrifice. Worship has to be a sacrifice. Hebrews says this, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. It's got to cost something. Remember those L'Oreal adverts? I think it was Jennifer Aniston and David Ginola. Why L'Oreal? Because he's worth it. Why do we worship the way we do? Because he's worth it. He's worth everything we can give. So we don't whisper. We don't shrink back. We proclaim. Proclamation was a a clear announcement of something significant. So when we worship, we are announcing our allegiance. We're doing it clearly. We're doing it boldly. We're doing it loudly. We're doing it passionately. We're doing it exuberantly because he is worth worth it. I want to encourage you this morning, make a decision to worship God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, everything you've got because he is worth it. Make a decision to go all in in your worship, a decision to go all in in how you express your love for God, how you express your gratitude, how you express your thankfulness. And and one of my favorite hymns is a hymn by a guy called Isaac Watts. And it's called, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And it's a hymn about the price paid, the price Jesus paid uh, for us. Why? Because he loved us. And it it reminds us to be challenged by the cross. It reminds us to be thankful for the cross. But it ends with probably my favorite line in any hymn. Love so amazing, so divine. What? It demands something. It demands a response. It demands my soul. It demands my life. It demands my all. All your heart. All your soul. All your mind. Would you bow your heads for a moment? God, we love you. Would you help us every one of us to to grow into new levels of how we express 
our love for you. God, help us to, to, to give you the kind of worship you desire and the kind of worship you deserve. We choose to worship you today. We choose to express our love. We choose to give you everything. We give you our hearts. We give you our minds. We give you our souls. We give you our lives.